Travel Squad podcast. We're four friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together. One passport stamp at a time. We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're we're the Travel Squad podcast. So grab your ticket, your passport, and don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, welcome to episode 26 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we are taking you with us on a big bucket list trip Africa. Well, not all of us, because one of us didn't go. Boo. Boo. <laughs> and who was that? That was me. And so you've probably heard us talk about that's my Africa in some of our episodes. And what that's referring to is my biggest regret in life by not going on this trip. We're going to be introducing you to new players here in the squad today. And it's Josh and Anna. And Josh is from our hometown of Woodland, California. Woodland in the house. Woodland. Woodland. And he grew up with Jamal, really, really good buddies. And Anna is his girlfriend, also from Northern California. And they came along with us for the ride and this is josh's first international trip ever he got his passport for this trip yes he did t-i-a this is africa that was our (laughs) motto while we were on the trip that was our n-s-o-t but t-i-a t-i-a it wasn't a true n-s-o-t because unfortunately kim wasn't with us so we altered it in your honor to t-i-a I appreciate that. Yes. (laughs) Also, hashtag Tia. (laughs) So on this African adventure, we visited three countries, South Africa, Swaziland, which was actually renamed to Eswatini, and Zimbabwe. It's also a little bonus that we did enter Zambian waters, but we didn't go to Zambia. So this was such a long trip for them. I think it was about 14 days, right, in total. Yeah. So because they traveled so much and covered so much ground, we're actually going to break this up into our very first two-part episode series. Woo! (laughs) Two-parter! So let's start out with some tips for Africa since I didn't go and one day I would like to. Well, the biggest tip I have is to go and don't make (laughs) excuses for yourself. I think this one's directed at you, Kim. (laughs) I think so. Hear that, people? Just go. (laughs) And why didn't you go, Kim? I did not go because I think the trip cost around five grand, right? It did, yes. Give or take a few. And at the time, I just saw that number and thought it was so big. And I was, I don't know, it just built it up in my head to be too much to do. And in retrospect, I totally could have made it happen because it was a gate one trip. They let you make payments. They let you break it up. And I really could have made it happen. But, you know, I got in my own head. So let this be a lesson to all of you listening that even though it may seem like an impossible amount, it actually probably is doable. Well, it obviously was doable because three out of the four of us here are sitting here and have done it. I know it's funny because I also went on a trip during the time you guys were gone. So I totally could have gone. (laughs) (laughs) 
So another tip that we have for you is this trip was such a long trip. It was 14 days long. And what we learned from this is we should not add on another trip before or after. And we did. We actually added on New York after this. And during that trip to New York, we learned we shouldn't have done that. It was such a long trip and combining the two wasn't the best idea. And in case you're wondering like, okay, Africa and New York, how did we get there? Well, we left from New York. We'll get more into that. And we landed on Thursday in New York. So rather than flying back, we thought we'll spend the weekend there. But yeah, like Brittany said, if we could go back Thursday, we would, we would just fly home rather than spend the weekend in New York. Yeah. And we've always talked and listening to past episodes, you've heard us say, you know, if you have a layover, do something, try to extend the trip, which is good advice. And that's exactly what we did. I just think with the long flight time from the United States to Africa being such a long trip at 14 days, we learned that that's not a bad advice to do it, but just be cautious on such a long trip and such flight times, maybe around, you know, seven, 10 days, it's more doable, but anything beyond that, it can be a little bit tiring and cumbersome. If I was still 24, 25, I would have been able to do it with no problems. But once you turn 30, (laughs) once you turn 30, or if it's a shorter trip, like the Ecuador trip we're planning in September, it's only eight days and we are adding on Austin to the end of that. Correct. Another tip that I have for everyone is that Africa can be cold at times. And what I was expecting was vast desert, dry weather, hot weather. And when we got to Cape Town, it was actually more green and cold than I expected it to be. And I didn't really pack accordingly. And so I learned very (laughs) early on that Cape Town can be very (laughs) cold. And at the time that we went, it was colder than San Diego. Oh my gosh. You got to think it's in the Southern Hemisphere, so it's a completely different season than what it is here in the Northern Hemisphere. In terms of landmass that's below the equator, it's like a very low percentage. So the majority of people are experiencing the same season, the same time of the year, but not when you're in South Africa. You're mm-hmm. definitely different season. So got to really plan accordingly on that. And then the next tip is to get malaria pills. It's highly recommended, and I think it's going to be on the CDC website, but just make sure you go to your doctor and get those malaria pills. Yeah, we definitely did take the malaria pills. It's a good precaution to have it. I really don't feel like I ended up with a lot of bites, but our tour guide did tell us that we were about two to three weeks away from real heavy mosquito season. So we kind of missed it. If we were there a little bit later, it may have come more into play and I may have felt it was truly necessary. But if you're going to be going there, definitely take it as a precaution. We also learned that the water was drinkable in every single place we went to, except for St. Lucia. I was wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to have to buy bottled water throughout the trip and we really didn't need to because all of the water was so fresh and so clean and it actually tasted really good and really refreshing. Oh, cool. I get delivered water jugs to my house and the water in Africa was cleaner than the delivered bottled water that I get. Wow. Like it tasted so good. Yeah. I mean, you could drink straight out the tap. No issues. The one place that Brittany mentioned, St. Lucia, it is in South Africa. The reason why we couldn't drink there is the hotel we were staying at was redoing their well and they hadn't really made sure that it wasn't contaminated at that point. But South Africa is ranked as one of the top three cleanest water sources in the world to come out the tap. Interesting. Yeah. What else do you need to know? 
Another good thing to know and just keep in mind when you travel to another country is they are using a different currency than your local one. So South Africa uses the South African Rand. We also went to Swaziland, which is another country, and they have their own currency, but it's pegged at an even exchange rate to the South African Rand. So we really didn't have to change money other than to South African Rand. And right now the exchange rate and when we went as well is about $1 to 14 South African rands. And one thing that we always do, and I just want to mention it again, we always take cash just in case we have to exchange cash for cash and local currency, but I always love to pull out of the ATM because it gives you a more even exchange rate and you do have an ATM fee, but you can always ask your bank to waive it, which I usually do. So it's a good cost saving measure when exchanging currencies. And when you can, we try to pay with our credit card and we use a specific credit card that has no foreign transaction fees. What credit card is that? My main travel credit card is my Chase Sapphire Reserve. It's the one that I always use. It has no foreign transaction fees, gets me a lot of points and perks for travel. But before that, we used our Capital One credit card, and it's the Capital One Quicksilver credit Mm -hmm. card that gives you 1.5% cash back on every purchase, but that does have a no foreign transaction fee. So until we got that Chase card, we always used that one. And if anybody is a Costco member and has the Costco credit card, the Costco credit card offered by Citi also has no foreign transaction fees. Nice. I remember, I think it was when you got that Capital One card. I think we were in Peru and you were all, no foreign transaction fee. You're all hyped up on it. (laughs) I am hyped up about it because it gives you an even exchange rate. I don't have to use cash. I could put it on my card, get points. It's great. So I highly recommend to anybody when you travel, definitely try to use a credit card or even get a credit card that has no foreign transaction fees. It's going to save you a lot of money and you're going to earn points in the process. And this segment is not sponsored by any of those banks that we mentioned. Non-sponsored. I just love those credit cards. They've been in my wallet. Well, the Capital One's been in my wallet for quite a long time. It's actually my first credit card and my Chase Sapphire Reserve is my new go-to travel credit card. There you go. Do they speak English in South Africa? Yes, they do. English is one of the official languages. They have many, but English is one of them. So you'll be able to get by real easy. Oh, nice. So let's get to the trip, guys. Day zero, leaving San Diego. Tell me how you got there. We flew from San Diego to Newark, which is in New Jersey. But as we talked about earlier in our New York episode, we talked about how Newark is actually very close to downtown New York. And so we flew there because it was cheap flights from Southwest. And we spent the night in New Jersey. And then we took a lift over to JFK to meet up with Josh and Anna. Yeah, JFK is the major international airport in New York. And our tour through Gate 1 had a special leaving out of JFK. So we saved money by flying into Newark, New Jersey, spent the night there the day before and just did the transfer. And it made a lot more sense that way to do it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we spent the night was the flight was leaving, I think, around like five in the afternoon. And you have to remember, we're coming from San Diego. We're three hours behind. So by the time we land in New York, it's just cutting it too close. So we needed to spend the night and spend the next day there in New York in order to catch our flight. What was so funny about meeting Josh and Anna at the airport was that they aren't really experienced travelers like we are. So we all showed up with our one large check luggage (laughs) and our one backpack. And we arrived to the airport and we see them and Josh has this big ass bag. <laughs> it 
was the biggest was duffel like bag a, you've ever seen. Yeah, I didn't even know that they made a duffel a bag. Duffel bag <laughs> it's a duffel bag. But I could literally fit inside of it. You can fit a body inside of that duffel bag. It was so. It looked like he was big. rolling a dead body because oh it was it was legitimately a big giant duffel bag, but it had back wheel rollers, if I'm not mistaken. And he comes yeah. in with it. I'm just like, you could fit a whole barrel of oil and a dead body in that back thing. And I was like, my God, man, what a big you know duffel bag you have. And then Anna was just so funny. She had two check sized luggages plus her carry on, etc. Oh so they definitely. And then she brought a backpack. And and a yoga mat and I was like are we moving to Africa guys (laughs) but Josh's bag was really funny and the entire tour group started to tease him whenever we would transfer to another airport and be like oh there's the body bag (laughs) (laughs) okay so then it's day one now and you guys are in the JFK airport what is the flight how do you get to South Africa from JFK is there is it straight or no unfortunately there's not a straight flight what we had to do was fly from JFK JFK International in New York. We flew to Amsterdam and from Amsterdam, we had a direct flight at that point to Cape Town, South Africa. How long were you in Amsterdam? Amsterdam, not very long. I would say maybe about three and a half, four hours, if I remember correctly. It wasn't a very, very long way Not layover. long enough No, to go but out. see, Josh, again, <laughs> this was his first trip really off the continent. And he was excited to be in Amsterdam. He was like, oh, do you think we have enough time to go out and just kind of explore? And Brittany and I have been to Amsterdam before. And I told him, I said, they do have a direct train from the airport that takes you to downtown Amsterdam, if you will. But there's just not enough of time by the time you get out of the airport take the express train you'll maybe have 30 minutes to do mm-hmm. something before you come back and it's just cutting it way way too close if we had more time maybe okay so what did you do in the amsterdam airport for three hours we ate we did. We had like a traditional English breakfast in the Amsterdam airport at one of the restaurants. And then we watched Anna do yoga in the terminal before our flight. You guys didn't partake? No, we did not. We didn't we, bring our mats. We did not partake. We did not bring our mats. But it was really funny. You know, the flight from JFK to Amsterdam is not very long. I mean, it's about a seven hour flight, which is a long flight. Yeah. But if you're flying from coast to coast here in the United States, it's about equivalent, you know, five hours. And this was going to be their longest flight from Amsterdam to Cape Town. I believe it was about 10 and a half, 11 hours of a flight. So they'd never been on a flight that long before. I thought it was 12. In Uh, any case, it felt like it was a long flight. It was a long flight, but not as long as the one coming back. If you guys want to reference the episode where we talked about how to survive a long haul flight. And I had my 16 hour flight back from Africa sitting next to the smelly lady. (laughs) So, I mean, that one was a lot longer. So this one was just warming them up for that return flight. The weirdest thing about this flight is I, I feel like I've been all over the world, but I always travel west to east or east to west. So you're experiencing a time change. But in this case... Amsterdam had the same time zone as Cape Town. So you're just flying from north to south. I don't know. It's just weird. It's all in the same time zone. And I've never traveled someplace in, with the same time zone like On that. such a long flight. You exactly. Mean, yeah. I mean, California, Sacramento to San Diego, same thing. But I mean, like, yeah, international. So after the flight day two, we officially landed in Cape Town. Cape but Town. Cape Town. Cape Town. We landed down <laughs> in, in Cape, Cape Town. Town. <laughs> <laughs> when we landed, it was about 10, 1030 at night night. So we really didn't get to do anything. Being that it was a gate one tour, we did have the pickup from the airport, took us direct to the hotel. So that was really, really nice. We didn't have to, you know, coordinate a taxi or anything like that 
better mass transportation. So I just want to reiterate how vital going certain places and doing a tour is in terms of the all-inclusiveness and what the they provide. Ease. Yes, the ease. Ooh. And especially, I just want to touch on this, going to Africa in terms of having to figure out what's a reputable safari company or transportation since they don't really have like a big mass transportation. Africa in general is a good place to go and utilize a tour. Just want to throw that out there. One of the interesting things when we landed in Cape Town was, of course, you know, the ladies are headed off to the bathroom, you go pee, and then you come out to wash your hands but there is no water. And it's not that they don't have water. They're in a drought. And because they are in a drought, they turned the water off. And so instead, they just have hand sanitizer on the wall where the sinks are, which is weird. I mean, I get it. You know, they're trying to preserve water. They were in a but severe drought. Yeah. Severe it was drought. going to be the largest city in the world to run out of water. So luckily, they're past that point now. But when we went, we were at the height of of it. And I'm sure all of you probably remember in the news, at least hearing clip highlights of them talking about how South Africa, well, not South Africa, more specifically Cape Town itself was going to run out of water. So all of the fountains that they had in the city, or even when you were in public spaces, like Zane is saying, no running water. Yes, they had them for the toilets to flush, but in terms of washing hands, other things, they were really cutting back on water usage. Well, I do want to say one thing. So let's say in the airport bathroom, there's 10 sinks. Nine out of 10 are turned off and hand sanitizer is recommended to use instead. There is one sink that is left for running water. And I'm sure, you know, that's for if you, I don't want to be disgusting or anything, but like, you know, you have bowel movement and you want to wash your hands. I think that they've heard enough on this podcast to, <laughs> to know that's not disgusting. <laughs> but I mean, I'm assuming that's what it's for. Like if Wait, you pee, then... so there's no water in the bathrooms, but what about the shower? There is water in the showers, but in every shower that we went into, there was a timer. And so they would recommend that when the timer runs out, you turn the water off. Mm. They were recommending no more than a three minute shower. Oh so they had in our hotel when we got there, they had a little hourglass filled with sand, obviously a little plastic one, but it had a little suction cup stuck to the shower itself. And they had a big sign encouraging you, hey, please keep the shower within three minutes. They had the signs up telling you, please don't put your towel on the floor. A towel on the floor means you want a new one, help preserve our natural resources, you know, Reuse keep your, your towel, etc. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about public bathrooms, right? I mean, if you're in a hotel, they're not going to shut the water off, but like more so the public bathrooms. And then the other thing too, is I bought Ofra's lipstick called Cape Town. And I wanted to wear it specifically for this trip because I was going to be in Cape Town and they have a collection of lipstick for pretty much all the big cities of the world. And Brittany was super excited to wear it too. Cape Town and Cape Town. Yes. Let me guess. Bright pink? It, it is pink, but it's a little bit darker and it's actually the exact same color as Kylie's lip kit sprinkle. Hmm. Yeah. Fun facts. Not my favorite color, but I had to wear it in Cape Town. So day three was our first day of orientation with our tour guide. As we mentioned, we landed in Cape Town around 10, 1030 at night. So just to transfer to the hotel. And it took about 45 to 60 minutes yeah. to get from the airport to downtown Cape Town. And then we went to bed and then in the morning when we checked in, they said, oh, you're part of the gate one. Please be down in this conference room at a certain time for your orientation. And that's where we met with our tour guide. Sean. Yes, Sean was our fearless leader for this trip. And I heard a lot about Sean. A lot about Sean. Sean was a great tour guide. He was okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> he has a really great voice. 
He did. He did. And wait, what did he say that Jamal imitated him so well on? Oh, yeah. He did something like that. <laughs> oh, my God. He had like a, you know, you would ask him something and he'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it no justice, but he had a really good uh, a way of voice. saying it. Yeah. Yes. So anyways, there we are in the orientation and they're calling out the names to make sure that everyone is there. So Jamal and Brittany booked together. So they called Jamal and Brittany's name and then me next. And so they say Zayna and I'm like, oh, I'm here. He gives me my stuff. And then next, he says, Kim. And all three of us, <laughs> Jamal, Brittany, and I, we go, <gasps> because we got so excited. Like, what are the odds that the name Kim is going to be right after Zayna? And Sean looks at us and he says, Kim. And we're like, no. <laughs> not, not us <laughs> but we got so excited we were like did kim surprise us and book and not tell us and here she that is that would have been so epic if it I would have been that. epic oh my goodness you would have had an epic time it i missed a, you so much on the entire trip sorry Britt. it was a sign that you should have been there it was a sign that everything was going to be okay because there was at least one kim on this trip yes <laughs> yes but after the orientation it maybe took 30 to 45 minutes again making sure everyone's there talking about what we're going to be doing on on the entire tour itself. But after that, we hit the ground running. And the first thing that we did that day was go to Table Mountain. And Table Mountain is a very famous, iconic place in Cape Town, South Africa. And it literally is a mountain that has a flat top, hence the name Table Mountain. You take a cable card at the top, gives you beautiful, beautiful panoramic views of the city. And it's also a South African national park. And this is why I love Gate One, because all of these places that we're going to, the price that we paid originally includes entrance to all of these places. So we did look up for you guys that to get to the top of Table Mountain via the cable car. The most expensive ride is 360 Rand round trip, which equates to about 25 US dollars. And we learned that they actually charge you more in the morning and less in the afternoon, probably due to the views, probably because in the afternoon it's more known for cloud coverage. And this was all included in our trip. And we got to the top and we had the best panoramic views of Cape Town and the surrounding area. I also love Gate One, not only because they include all of the tickets but you don't have to go wait in line get them figure out how to get them figure out where to get in like it's all figured out for yeah you. and since we had the tickets we got to bypass the general line of people waiting to buy the tickets then plus the line to get in since we had them in advance we had a different queue that we got to go on so we got to the cable cars got to go to the top but from the top i mean just amazing amazing views of the city you can see out into the atlantic ocean at the top there's a lot of plant life animals just as well. Unfortunately, no bigger animals. In the past, there used to be lions and leopards that used to be up there. But since, you know, lots of the human activity and settlements in that area, they're no longer there. But there used to be lions, leopards. Very rarely will you maybe be able to see baboons in that area. Not so much anymore. But other than that, there are going to be other animals you could see. Not big game, but such a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. And any trip to Cape Town won't be complete unless you go to Table Mountain. One of the things I would have really liked to do is to be able to walk up the mountain, not walk, but like hike up the mountain. That is something that you can do. And Josh and Anna took a second trip this past year to South Africa and they did hike up the mountain. And I think that's really cool. But yeah, to the point of what you were saying about Josh and Anna, imagine this, they had so much fun on their trip that they booked another gate one to go back to South Africa. This one was a shorter one that included just kind of Cape Town and a few surrounding areas, but they ended up going 
going back in the 2019 year here. And they went back to Table Mountain and they went with the point to actually hike it up. So instead of taking the cable car, like Zana said, they did a hike up. They did an easy day and I missed out on it. Damn it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hey, we have to go back. Yes, I know. we I, do. I, I want to go back to Africa. I mean, you have so to go bad. back, and I have to go for the first time. Yes. It was such a beautiful view at the top. It was a bird's eye view of the city, of the beaches. I didn't realize that there was going to be so many beautiful beaches because we were on the South African peninsula. Yeah, Cape Town is on a peninsula that sticks out on the western tip of the southern end of the African continent. So beautiful views of the bay, the ocean. I can't stress enough how beautiful it is at the top of Table Mountain. And it's also possible to see Robben Island where Nelson Mandela was imprisoned. So It's like their version of Alcatraz, I guess, a little island prison. So when you get into the cable car to take you to the top, they're going to shove as many people as they can within the weight limit restriction, of course. But don't worry about where you are going to stand. You're going to get into a circular cable car. And as you're going up, it will spin you very, 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 very slowly. Very, very slowly extremely slow <laughs> but you know that way you know don't don't necessarily stress where you're going to sit because you're going to get a view of 360 as you're going to the top very slowly great memory Zena. Mm-hmm. i don't remember them doing that but i have no doubt that that's the case it went so slow you didn't even know it was i happening. get but you know now that she says that it rings a bell at first she was saying it and i couldn't remember but yeah Definitely. That, that is really cool when I think back about that. That is awesome. I've never been in a cable car that does anything like that. So visiting Table Mountain really just started our adventure off right. And so from there, we headed out for our Cape Peninsula tour. And we had several stops along the way. We first stopped in a fishing village called Hout Bay. And it was so beautiful. Jamal, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's a little fishing village on the peninsula of Cape Town going south and just really beautiful classical settlement buildings, but more particularly, I mean, there is food and stuff to eat there, but being on the tour, we didn't stop at that point, but it is just a good lookout point to see the beautiful scenery. Like Brittany said, you know, sometimes if people think in our Africa, they're thinking of the African bush or dry arid, but just so much greenery that you wouldn't expect. And it's really, really beautiful out there. We also had a stop in Simon's Town, and we visited the penguin colonies that they have at Boulder Beach. And if anybody's watched any nature documentaries, I'm sure you've probably seen them talk about the penguins that they have in South Africa. I mean, we think of penguins, we think of in Antarctica or somewhere cold, but there is a penguin colony on the beaches of South Africa. So we went to Boulder Beach, and we got to see the penguins. It's so surreal seeing penguins on a beach. Like you're expecting to see them in the Arctic and snow. And here they are just chilling in the sun, just prancing on the sand in the water. How cute. Yeah, it was super cool to see. And I remember before we booked this trip, our friend Kasha that we've referenced many times, she asked because she was actually supposed to go on this trip and they couldn't go. Would we be going to Boulder Beach? Because I want to see the penguins there. So it's a must do on this South African adventure. The cutest thing is when they're in a little group. Like I remember at one point there were three penguins walking along together, one after another, and then they just like one falls and then gets up. Like it's just, it's so adorable. So they do inhabit that Boulder Beach area that we are talking about. But what's really interesting about it is the penguins only started to inhabit that area around 1983 from just one breeding pair. And now there's about 3,000 birds, but they are deemed endangered and on the verge of extinction. So it is a 
protected area, so you do have to pay to go see them, but the money that you do pay, which is 76 Rand, equivalent to about $5, goes into preservation of the area of the species. But again, the fact that it was through gate one, that was included with our tour, but if you go by yourself, you will have to pay to go to the beach and see the penguins. And you aren't on the beach with the penguins. You are on a built-up walkway, so you can go to a viewing area, but you're not on the beach. About how far away are the penguins from the viewing area? Oh, they're really close because it's a built-up deck, so they could even walk, walk under the deck. Aww. Yeah. So they're right on the sides, and they can go underneath, but you can't go out and touch them. And do they make noises? Oh, yes, yes, they do. They used to be called jackass penguins because of the way that they would bray, you know, the noise that they would make. Can you do that for us, I tomorrow? can't make that noise. I don't want to attempt to make that noise but they used to be called jackass penguins because of the noise that they do make i i have videos so when this episode is out bam we got some penguin videos bam. to see <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we did stop for lunch right outside of the beach we did go to a restaurant and this was included with our tour and it was at a really nice fancy restaurant again you're on the water so it kind of has a bayfront nautical feel nautical feel unfortunately well, maybe this is would be the highlight for you, Kim. God because, damn it. because well, <laughs> wine was included Ugh. with your lunch and it was seafood, so I don't oh, know. Well, okay. they Never did ha- they did mind. have a non-seafood option, but the <laughs> seafood that we actually had was delicious. But since we were on a tour, again, there was about 30 people. One of the people who was on the tour, we nicknamed her Jersey because she was from New Jersey. And she sat at the table with us and lunch included our main entree, our drink, and a little bit of dessert. And it was so funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget this. Josh was with us, obviously sitting at the table. And when Jersey's dessert came out she said do any of you guys want the dessert she's like I'm not a sweet person and then Josh just goes <laughs> like to her face, like as, like as a joke, like what do you mean, boo? Like you don't want dessert? And I think then, he got in her face. Too. Yeah, oh my God. but he was doing it as a joke. But she was really, I mean, she took. And then it, did she he t- eat the dessert? Oh yeah, she she gave it to us. But you know, it's so funny. It didn't discourage her because she did like us. Because a lot of times when there was something of the meal that she didn't want, even if she wasn't sitting at the table later on in the tour, she would come to us and say, "Do you guys want the dessert? Do you want this?" She I don't do that. I don't think she understood Josh's personality yet at that point to not take it offensively. <laughs> <laughs> but then as it went on, you know, but I, he just was like, boo, like, what are you talking about? You don't want dessert? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were other places too, where she wouldn't be sitting at our table and the desserts automatically included. And she would ask us, what dessert do you want me to choose? Because oh, she was just under yeah. the assumption. That, yeah, we yeah. really, really liked her. She yeah. was so nice. Did she partake in the wine? Did she, she ever kick you guys down any wine? Uh, she did not because she, she, liked loved, she, she liked her alcohol. We would have been friends. Yes, <laughs> you, you probably would have. She liked her alcohol a lot. So from lunch, we're all filled up now, but we are continuing our Cape Peninsula tour and we stopped at the Cape of Good Hope Nature Reserve. And this is so famous because it has so much flora and fauna. There's so many different acres. I think it was like 17,000 acres. Were there baboons? They are in the area, but we didn't see any at that point, unfortunately. But yes, there are baboons there. They even have signs say, beware of the baboons. Baboons. (laughs) Other things you can see are like zebras, bonobos, 
box and what's a bonobok? I would say it's like a type of elk, deer. It's like a venison type animal, okay. if you will. Yeah. And it's really nice out there. And the Cape of Good Hope is a very famous spot specifically for photos because they do have the sign that says this is the southwestern most point of the African continent. So they have it showing the coordinates. You could take photos of it etc. But they do have a lighthouse at the top and they do have a little tram that you could take to the top or you could do the hike. Knowing Brittany, we took the easy day and we ended up (laughs) doing the hike up, but it's just so beautiful. You're at the very southern end of the continent. There's a more southern point in the middle, but this is the famous spot where everybody goes to say like, I'm at the very tip of South Africa or the, the African continent. So at the top by the lighthouse, they do have a post and it will have signs that say, oh, Rio de Janeiro, so many kilometers, New York, so many kilometers with the arrows pointing in different directions. So really, really cool, but just such beautiful panoramic sights to see. And what's really incredible is you're up there and you can really get a sense of how clear the water is in that area. I mean, you see lots of bright blues, different shades of turquoise. Like Caribbean water? Yeah. And then you go further out and then you could see that it gets darker, but I wasn't really expecting to see just that different color contrast of the water from there. So beautiful. I imagine it being much like the southmost point in Key West, Florida. It is like like a photo spot. Yeah, it is like that. But it's a lot cooler than that because I've been there and it's not as cool Mm -hmm. as this one in South Africa. Yeah, because the lighthouse is on like a cliff edge. So when you look down, you're looking down at like sheer cliff onto a beach and like how far down? I don't really know. At least over 500 feet for sure, if not higher. Like Yes, yes. And that's why it was an easy day because we trekked up to the top Hey, remember at one point Anna and I ran it up? I do remember that. I was like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but that's okay. Is this the place? Because remember where Sean was telling us that there was kind of a debate on whether or not this is the Atlantic Ocean versus a different ocean? Yeah. So originally... Cape Town, again, on the peninsula and this point, the Cape of Good Hope, was originally the spot where they designated the dividing line of the Atlantic to the Indian Ocean of where they actually meet. But later on, officially, the scientists changed it to that other point in South Africa that's a little bit more east. That is the most southern point. It's more central of the country. And they have now officially made that the dividing line of what's the Atlantic, what's the Indian. But where we were was supposedly the original dividing line of where they said, okay, this is the divide of Atlantic to Indian Ocean. Yeah. So to this day, people still kind of debate what body of water it actually is. Anyway, so that was that day, super busy, super eventful. and um, Just day one. So jam-packed off the bat and already saw so much. It was great. Exactly. Yeah. So we went back to the hotel, we had a dinner, and then we went to bed because day two is going to be just as busy. Technically day four on your trip, right? If you count all the travel. That exactly, is correct. Yeah. But day two, once we were there, I guess. But yes, day four. So we woke up and on this day, we went to the Kirsten Bosch National Botanical Gardens resting at the foot of Table Mountain. Yeah, it was so beautiful out there. And this just goes back to the vast amount of plant life and greenery. You're just not expecting it. Beautiful botanical gardens. You know what I remember about this day? It was raining. Yes, it was. Raining and cold in the morning. Yes. And then it cleared up, but it rained on us while we were at the gardens. And this is a day that I realized that I wasn't 100% packed appropriately for this trip. I wore shorts that day. 
I, I, I had like <laughs> oh a, I had a little windbreaker type jacket, my North Face little light zip up, but uh, I had shorts on that did day. Did you guys not check the weather? We did check the weather, but we checked it at about, I mean, this is day four, so we're checking about a week mm-hmm. beforehand. And so the weather was a little different when we were checking it. Mm. So we weren't expecting this. In fact, Kim, this day was supposed to be our first day, but because they knew that the weather was going to be the way it was when we were on day two, they switched it so we could do table mountain day one day one and still have a good view otherwise we wouldn't have had a good view if we did the days reverse good view or even be able to go up because the moment it gets windy they sometimes close the cable car Mm -hmm. as well so they did rearrange our days on that but we knew that the weather was going to kind of be like that but it was only like it in the morning because in the afternoon it definitely warmed up a little bit and i was comfortable but even though it was cold and raining the gardens were very beautiful and i think that the rain and the cloud coverage added to the beauty actually yeah i remember zana even mentioning it looks like jurassic park meets evolution yes two classic movies exactly (laughs) evolution david duchovny orlando jones i love that movie but anyways yeah because you know they have fake dinosaurs out there and it's just it's an adult maze practically because you can just get lost forever there are so many different routes there's so many different paths you can take bridges over the area and i remember at one point jamal really had to use the restroom so he wanted to go back and that kind of sucked because you know Brittany and jamal went back and you know it's raining pretty hard too at this point but josh and Anna and I continued on and once we rounded the corner there was a bathroom area and so we're like oh man Jamal gave up way too soon so if you do continue on they do have bathrooms in the park so you don't have to be like Jamal and go back good to know It happens. We don't Given want any NSOT situation. No, we, we don't. We don't. That's why I went back. Wasn't sure where they were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so beautiful because you get all of the natural flora and fauna. And in the background of your pictures, you have all of the mountains. So it was just very unique setting to take pictures in and to be in. I mean, Jurassic Park right there. <laughs> so after the gardens, we actually started to do a tour of Cape Town itself. So they took us by some very famous landmarks and places. One of the first places that we passed was the Castle of Good Hope in the city center. And it was built in the year 1666 by the Dutch East India Trading Company. And this was one of the biggest industrial companies of the time, settled the area. And it's a beautiful Baroque building, and it's actually the oldest existing building still in South Africa. Another interesting fact about it is it used to be on the coast along the water, but it is now inland because of land reclamation. So they've actually built outwards, you know, made land where it used to not be. So it's inland, but it used to be on the water. They made man-made land? Yeah. Interesting. Just like, you know, if you think about Dubai, they built yeah. the island or in New York, they've added on to lower Manhattan oh, by putting rocks, that. things like that. That's called land reclamation where they actually extend the water line out. Hmm. So they did that in that area. I think you really enjoy downtown because you are a history fanatic, Mr. Historian, and you were pointing out all of the beautiful things to see, like St. George's Cathedral. You were pointing them out or the guide was? Well, well the, both. Well, the guide pointed them out, but like when I saw them, I knew what, what they, they were. were. Also, just a little FYI, when we did go downtown, before we got off the bus, our guide, Sean, advised us not to take valuables with us because we were in an area where, yeah, it's safe, but this is also a highly pickpocketed area. So just beware of what you do take with you. 
Good to know. So tell us a little more about the downtown area, Mr. Historian. So there's also the St. George's Cathedral, and it's the Anglican Diocese of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who was a Nobel Peace Laureate. And Desmond Tutu was the first black archbishop of South Africa. And he led numerous marches and campaigns to end the official practice of apartheid in South Africa, which was the segregation of the whites and the native Africans. So you could almost equate it to what happened here in the 1960s, civil rights movement, etc. But they were going through this even up until the 1990s. Wow. What's really interesting is Sean was even telling us based on your class and skin color, it's going to determine the areas where you are living there in Cape Town, which I found really... Still to this day? It's definitely integrated, but yes, still to this day, because even if you look at the situation here in America... I, w- I was ex- just going to say, it's extent, not that different Yeah, to an here. extent, we're still divided in terms of where people live based on socioeconomic class, based on skin color. So it's not official, but just people are stuck in certain demographics Mm -hmm. and that's where they still live and reside within the city. Yeah, in fact, we actually went by a portion of the town called the Malay Quarter and there was this guy and his name was Jan DeWall and he bought a block of land and he built rental houses that he leased the slaves on this land. So they were all white houses originally. He bought them... They were all white. They all looked the same. And now all of the houses are very brightly colored. And so it kind of represents that they have freedom and that they can do what they want with these houses. So we did pass that quarter. And the term Malay comes from slaves were originally imported from Malaysia and Indonesia. So they called that area the Malay area. Hmm. Another interesting stop that they took us to on the tour was the company Gardens. And this is a big park that they have in downtown Cape Town. And originally, this park was created in the 1650s. And originally, it was an area where they had fertile ground to grow crops, but now they've turned it into a park. And they have a big monument of Cecil John Rhodes, who was a prominent figure of the colonization of Africa. So if you've ever heard the terms, they're a Rhodes scholar or or before Zimbabwe became Zimbabwe, it was called Rhodesia. It was named after Cecil John Rhodes. And they had a big statue. And I remember our tour guide, Sean, telling us, he said, some people are still obviously offended by seeing this here, don't like it because of what they feel it represents. And they showed on the back of his leg, there was a big cut from a chainsaw or a type of saw where some people went into the park and tried to cut it down. But obviously it hasn't been removed or anything and I thought that was just really unique and it just shows a lot of the history of South Africa itself it's really unique to see wasn't there someplace downtown that we went and Sean was saying that this is where Nelson Mandela had made a speech or something after he got released from prison I believe it was one of the churches yeah we're talking about yes see that yeah and it, it was you know it's just it's interesting because Sean is from South Africa so he's talking about you know when he was a teenager and just remembering seeing that iconic moment of after he was was released. What else did you guys do on this day? We went to the Natural History Museum. Exciting. 
It was actually really exciting. <laughs> it was South Africa's Natural History Museum. So rhinos. Yeah, they had taxidermied rhinos or fake rhinos, lions, other stuff. It was included. We didn't have a lot of time in there, maybe 30, 45 minutes, but they just took us in there. It's in the downtown area. So that was really fun to go do and see. But on a lot of Gate 1 tours, sometimes they will take you to places. I know we mentioned when we talked about China just as well, how Gate 1 will sometimes take you to specific places or businesses. And in China, they took us to the Jade Shop and the Pearl Shop. Well, here they took us to Shemansky, which is a diamond jeweler. And the diamond industry is really big in South Africa. And again, they do the same thing in China, Jade, Pearls, big in China. So they incorporate things that are important to the history and the culture on where they take you. So we did go to Shemansky. They gave us a tour of the diamond factory, talked about the history of the diamond industry in South Africa, how it's evolved, etc. And this is where we picked up some jewelry for Brittany and then Zaina felt left out and had to pick some up for herself. Well, okay. So this is tanzanite, right? And tanzanite is rarer than diamonds, by the way, but not as expensive as diamonds, interestingly enough. But we picked up some tanzanite for Brittany and then Zaina got some as well. Because I think tanzanite can only come from Tanzania. So anyways, they had this beautiful necklace, beautiful necklace. And I tried it on and I loved it. I loved the cut. I loved the way that they stuck it in its frame. So it's designed to kind of jiggle and emit light. And it was when it shines on the light because mm-hmm. it moves. Exactly. So I loved it. And then I jumped on my internet to see what type of healing properties that Tanzanite has. And I really liked it, but I thought it was a little pricey. So I took it off. Brittany immediately said, can I try it on? And you know, it's like all of a sudden my heart just sinks a little bit. And then as soon as Brittany has it around her neck, it looks so beautiful. And she says, I'll take it. And then that's when I realized I want that Tanzanite necklace. You had some FOMO. I Sisters. did. Sisters. Sister, sisters. As soon as she said I want it, the property just like skyrocketed and I wanted it too. Did or the they value. have two of them? They Luckily, happened they did. to have two of them. So it was one of those moments where I felt like, oh my gosh, I have a little sister now when Zaina's not my little sister because she wants exactly what I have. <laughs> she yeah, That's happened more than once, right? The purse. Yeah. <laughs> happens all the time. Zaina sees something on Brittany then realizes how good it is and then wants it herself. So you got necklace. You guys got earrings too, right? Not, yeah, at, this, but, not, but at, not at this location. But oh, okay. when we were at Shemansky, this was the end of our tour for the day and our tour guide gave us the option he said you can either stay behind after Shemansky we're at the Victoria Albert waterfront which we'll talk about here in just a second or you could come back to the hotel and just call it a night go back out on your own whenever you want to so the entire tour had left at that point and we stayed behind as we were buying it and this is a big jewelry shop so if you think about you know going to Los Angeles and high-end shopping they bring out champagne cocktails to cater for you so when we bought they brought out good liquor for us they had a little bar area so yeah so we were sampling on drinks one of my favorite things to do is drink champagne while shopping i love going into stores like that they actually brought it out before we purchased well they they, they brought it for everyone they brought it for for everybody which was the cheap stuff but once we bought then they brought out the high-end alcohol and you know we We had uh well josh anna and i had a high-end whiskey i forgot what the girl's 
tables had probably some wine, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was champagne. champagne. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So we sat there and we drank it. And then we were like, let's ask if we can have another one. So we totally asked if we can have another one. And they're like, absolutely. Absolutely. So you were missed. That was like three rounds right there. I would have bought jewelry just for the alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you didn't have to. Josh and Anna didn't buy any. And yet they got got some too. So yeah. Yeah, because they were with us. So after our stint in Shemansky and some jewelry shopping, it is on the Victoria and Albert waterfront, which is a big mall and shop area along the water in Cape Town. So much stuff to eat, so much to do, and really, really awesome. If you're going to Cape Town, it's definitely a must-check-out area. And during this time, this is when we learn, like, we are in Africa, and it is so different. Like, they are on their own schedule, so you can order something, kind of like when we were in Peru, and you might get your (laughs) entree or app first, and then it might take 20 minutes later for Zaina to get hers. They're on their own, Mm -hmm. like, schedule and itinerary. And then also, we were out for lunch. Don't remember where we were, but Jamal and I order something off the menu, and I tell him what I want, and he comes out probably 30 minutes later, and he puts down something that is not what I ordered. And I ask him, like, I don't believe this is what I ordered. And he says to me, well, then you ordered wrong because this is what you ordered. Oh, and he just would... straight up blunt on that. Like, and what's really funny what? is our, our tour <laughs> guide, no negotiation. our tour guide even told us this is in America. You're not going to be able to fight things. People move a lot slower here. If something's wrong, like it's not going to be fixed. You can't send stuff back. And he told us that the first morning of orientation, just as kind of like under understand this and wouldn't you know the very next day it happened we ordered something and i know the waiter took it wrong i know exactly what Brittany and i ordered and he Do brought you out know the wrong thing. what you ordered compared to what you got i don't remember it's very been, different it's been so long now that i don't remember all i remember is the general gist of he totally brought out the complete wrong order yeah so it was like a tapas thing let's say i ordered chicken but he brought out lamb or something like that oh god i don't think i would do very well there i was about to say kim <laughs> if you accidentally get the fish you're going to be stuck with fish <laughs> so we so we came up with the TIA but I must say that was what we started referencing to the trip TIA this, this is Africa is Africa but I'm not gonna lie I stole that from the Leonardo DiCaprio movie Blood Diamonds which takes place in Africa and he tells somebody TIA this is Africa wow, <laughs> so I, I kind of took it from that of course it's a movie mm-hmm. quote and they do have a Ferris wheel downtown and no one wanted to ride it except for Anna. So Anna and I did ride the Ferris wheel and we were up in the air when Jamal and Brittany ordered wrong. So anyways, <laughs> when you are up there, it is really nice views. You can see like a football stadium and just, you know, the water from up above. Was it a Ferris wheel where your feet are dangling or were you in a cart? No, it was an enclosed Ferris wheel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was an enclosed Ferris wheel. So that summed up our day four Hey squaddies, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon lime and tangerine with immune support. 
It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy-free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Travel Squad Podcast at liquidiv.com. Hey, squaddies, let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up, and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. Day five, next day, was a free day. So we, free day! Free day! Free day! <laughs> so we got the option to either do whatever we wanted to do or Gate One had two separate tours that you could do, but they were paid option tours. And the two options that they did have was one, cage diving with great whites. Boo! <laughs> what do you mean, boo? <laughs> I, we, Says the girl that didn't even go on this trip. We were all so excited because in South Africa, this is, again, if you watch any nature documentary, Shark Week, you'll see where great whites actually jump out of the water to catch the seals. They shoot them up in the air. This happens in South Africa in the area that we were at, and this is where we were going to be going. Or they do have a very famous wine country area, so you could do wine tasting or, again, just do something on your own. I remember when I was considering going on this trip, I was reviewing the itinerary over and over and over. And I kept thinking the wine tasting is absolutely what I would do if I was on this day. I, I wanted the wine tasting. I wish we could have done that because on gate one, after your first real day, not like your first day when you get there, but your first real, real day, they do like a group dinner. And I remember we were sitting there and we were talking to Sean about the great white cage diving. And I asked him, what do you think about it? And he gave us a look that let us know that it like isn't the best option. He said he, no comment. Yeah. He it says all you need to know with that no comment. It, he gave us what we needed to know it, without speaking. But, it. but let's get to that day. So clearly we did the cage dive with the great whites i think we all who went wanted to do it there's no fucking way i would have gone in a damn cage with potential great whites. you well, know you guys are crazy my favorite crazy. thing was jamal and Brittany were talking to you <laughs> about whether or not zana is gonna get be a chicken and back out and kim knows me so well and she made the comment to jamal and Brittany that there's no way zana is gonna back out she paid for it <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we did the great whites they woke us up early in the morning to take us because we had a two and a half hour drive somewhere a little bit more east to go to that specific area. We went to the city of Hansbai. I apologize for my terrible accent for it, but it's called Hansbai. At least you tried. Yes, I tried. <laughs> and we got there. They gave us a brief orientation. And this is where and when we finally found out why Sean gave us the clue that it might not be all that it's hyped up to be. This area is called Shark Alley. It's pretty much guaranteed that you will always see sharks. They always do the 
the nature documentaries there because like it shark is week. Shark Alley. It's always filmed there. Yeah, always, shark always week filmed is there. always filmed in like parts of Shark Alley. Literally a month, month and a half before we went, there was a pod of orcas or killer whales, whatever you prefer, who came and they have been killing the great whites and biting their livers out wow. and killing them. And <laughs> so the great whites were like washing up on the shore without a liver. The great whites are very intuitive animals and they know that the orcas are attacking them and killing them. So they have completely vacated the area within the last month, month and a half before we got there. So they tell us this finally at our orientation they're like you know usually it's nature we can't guarantee but 99 of the time we go out there there is a shark sighting the last month month and a half it's up in the air so they gave us that forewarning but only when we were there at orientation for it did you guys pre-book this we did we did so in trip you had no possibility to switch it if you had wanted to no, I don't think so. And I don't think Josh and Anna and Jamal would have budged on it anyways. I mean, Had you I, known about the killer whale situation days before, may you have considered I switching? May, I may have considered switching, but this was a bucket list item for me to do cage uh, diving with great whites. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to do it now that I know about it. In hindsight, yeah, we should have done the wine tasting. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we get out onto the water and they chum up the water, chumming up the water, you know, they throw dead fish guts out there to try to attract the sharks and as we were actually getting out to get on the boat the earlier morning tour was coming back and we had asked them if they saw any sharks and several people responded yes we saw one i didn't know if it was a great white or another shark but they at least said we saw one which gave me super super good hope mm -hmm. and i was excited so we get out there they chum the water and they're like, okay, well, there's no sightings of sharks. You know, you could either get in the cage now or just kind of wait and see. I don't see. think they told us to get in the, if they wanted to. I think you and Anna were super eager and then they jumped. You guys well, they said in. you can get in, but no oh. one was getting in because sharks weren't there. And I said, shit, I've paid in for- In the cage? Yeah. I was like, shit, I've paid for this. I want to be in the water because this water is pretty cold? much- the, Well, we had wetsuits on, but even with the wetsuit, it was cold. Wow. And, that's um, saying a lot for you, Jamal. But I said, yeah, well, I said, fuck this i paid for it i'm getting in the water i said i don't care if there's sharks like i want to say like i've been cage diving if i see them that's clearly going to be the plus but it was a matter of point like i'm getting in so anna and i were the only ones in the water because Brittany didn't want to get in zayna didn't want to get in i was josh sick. didn't get, want to get in and so we were, were you both in the same cage yeah it's a big cage and it's maybe, a rectangle cage yeah and maybe eight people can line up okay. you know side by side in it but me and her were the only ones in it for the first 30 40 minutes and we were just chilling in the water and you have like an air tank or how are no you air breathing? tank face mask snorkel Okay. Pretty much. They don't put the Very. cage all the way down. So if Jamal and Anna are in the cage, their heads are above the water and then they standing. have to. Yeah. And in fact, okay. So, so how are you going to see if a shark's coming? Because you could go you under. Could go under. So the way that they see if a shark's coming is because they're in this big cage, the top one to two feet is out of the water and the rest is in the water so they can poke their heads down with their face mask on and see if a shark's coming and then when a shark is there they can stay under they can hold the bars to stay under okay because they have Ooh, little... and then your hands are on the bars and the well shark they have your they have bars in the inside of it almost like a bar stool you know like imagine sitting at a bar and you have a stool to rest your feet uh -huh. well they have a bar on the inside to hold your feet your okay. feet will hold you from rising up like okay. on that bar but yes you can put it 
you know, on the outside to hold as well. But the cage itself is, you know, eight to 10 feet tall. So a couple feet are out, but for the most part, you have your snorkel and you just push yourself and hold yourself under to see the sharks if they come. Now, before we went, Sean told us, make sure that you have something to wear under the wetsuit. And I've never been in a wetsuit before, so I realized exactly what he meant. So make sure you have a bathing suit or just something that you can have because you don't want that wetsuit touching your body directly. And when you do get it all the way up, you cannot breathe. It is... uh... Yeah, I had never been in a wetsuit before and it just really constricts your breathing because it's really tight around you, obviously, so water doesn't get in. And not only could I not breathe, but when I had to pee later, I couldn't get out of it by myself. And I had to ask a crew member to (laughs) unzip me. You had a crew member undress you? Undress me and help me like pull the top portion off so I can pull it down to pee. Yeah. So I was not, I don't know what it was. I was not feeling well that morning. I thought for a second that it was seasickness. And I thought that was so weird because I don't get seasick. So later on, it turns out that I ended up catching like a little bit of a cold and this is where it was ramping up out there, but it was freezing out there. I wasn't even in the water. I was just in the wetsuit. And because I was feeling so nauseous, I went to the front of the boat and they gave me a blanket and I was able to lay down there at the front. And Brittany came and joined me at some point. And so Brittany and I both cuddled under the blanket together. And as we're lying there looking up, you see just a flock of birds fluttering above you because they see the chum in the water. They smell the chum in the water. So all these birds are above us and there we are under the open sky. I'm feeling sick and Brittany and I are saying the only thing that can make this worse is if one of the birds shit on us. And sure enough, (laughs) one of the birds (laughs) shat on us. You didn't know getting shit on by a bird is good luck? Is it? Okay, well, I don't... Where did it land? It was like on the blanket, but it still... (laughs) I mean, it wasn't on our hair or on our face or anything like that, but like it still shit on us. And then one of the crew members, bless her heart, she got sick too, but... Well, I mean, I wasn't seasick. I was just like actual sick, but she was getting seasick. So she came over to check on us and then she had a jar full of mints. And so she offered us a mint. And now I didn't know that mints help with your stomach and helps calm your stomach. Oh, that's such a good tip for seasickness. Yes. So mints. So when she offered it to me, I looked at her confused and I said, is this for in case I throw up? And she said, no, 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 no. This will help you with your stomach to help make your stomach feel better. So so although we did not see any sharks that day, we did see a lot of seals. We went to an island and there was a ton of seals, probably because they're not being eaten by the great whites because there's no great whites. They're probably happy now. They're like, no predator to eat me. I'm just going (laughs) to lounge here on these rocks and not even care. Now, how long were we out there, though, waiting for sharks? I would say we were out there at least a good two, two two and a half hours for sure. Okay. So unfortunately, no shark sightings. I need to go back. Hopefully they come back to the area. If not, the only other place I could think of is just go south of the border here to Mexico because they have cage Mm -hmm. diving here in Baja, California and Mexico. But it was just a bucket list item I wanted to do. I really do want to go back. Another reason to go back. Yes, another reason to go back. So we had the long drive back. But as you heard from Zaina, just in general, she wasn't feeling good that day. So when we got back, dinner was not included that night with gate one. So Brittany, Josh, Anna and I, we walked back to the Victoria and Albert waterfront or VA waterfront and we had dinner that night and that wrapped up day five for us. Excellent. 
Tell me about day six. So we actually left Cape Town and we flew to Durban. And from Durban, we drove to St. Lucia. I was really excited for this day because this was the first day that we were going to see real animals. We were supposed to see hippos and crocodiles in the afternoon. And I was so excited. Yeah, so Durban is a major city on the eastern coast of South Africa. Cape Town, again, is on the western side of South Africa. So from Durban, as Brittany said, we drove to St. Lucia and on the itinerary for that night was an evening river cruise that took us on the water. And that's where we got to see the hippopotamuses, the crocodiles. So that was the first sighting of African animals. But before we went out there, we were excited at the hotel because at the hotel, you know, in foreign countries, usually beer is very inexpensive. Josh, Anna and I started sipping on some dollar beers. It was called Dollar Beer. It was called Black Label. And these are just typical lager beers, but they're like six and a half percent, like IPA level. Wow. So you're getting a real good buzz on the real, real cheap. So we definitely had some booze before we got on to the river cruise that night. Proud of you for that. You should be because it <laughs> continued on the cruise. On the cruise, we were at the St. Lucia Estuary and Jamal and Josh and Anna, they just kept continuing to booze. What about it? you, Brittany? It uh, was three for five dollars, by the way. Three beers for five dollars. What Ooh. a steal on a tour boat. <laughs> what, wow. what a deal. <laughs> I mean, how can you turn that down? You don't Gosh. get that in the United States. And we were there for sunset. So it was Aww, pretty. It was very pretty. I've never seen hippopotami in the wild like that before. <laughs> yeah, I said hippopotamuses <laughs> earlier. Thank you for using the correct pronunciation. It's hippopotami. Hippopotami. Did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) Like octopi. It's not octopuses. It's octopi. Hippopotami. Normally I say hippos. I love hippos. (laughs) They are huge. And dangerous. Deadly. I mean, if you can just see them yawn, like that's an incredible thing. I've seen them in a zoo. I love them. Yeah. It's much more intense when they're out there in the wild. Like they're opening their mouths at each other. They are vicious towards each other. How many did you guys see? There were hundreds. Hundreds? Hundreds. Hundreds. Wow. Not an exaggeration hundreds and they were by the crocodiles too yeah coexisting i mean you can see in nature documentaries sometimes they'll fight but for the most part we didn't see any aggressive action towards each other they were coexisting you know in the area it was cool i mean just to go by on the boat and you see their eyes like peeping out from under the water and you just know that there's like a herd of hippos there waiting to jump out of the water yeah and you know you usually see hippos they're in the water under the water and that's usually where they spend most of their day and time but they're vegetarian so they have to leave the water to go and find food so at one point we did see a pair of hippopotami come walking back which was really cool because you know even in the zoo and in nature you see the majority of them in the water just kind of floating it was really unique to see that pair coming and walking on land i've never seen hippopotami on land before And I could be mistaken, but I remember them telling us that the hippopotamized skin is very, very sensitive. And so they often get in the water and roll in the mud to protect their skin. And so in the dusking hours or early morning hours when the sun's not very hot, they'll go out onto land to eat. And then during the hot day, they'll get in the water to cool down and protect Mm. their skin. Such smart animals. (laughs) They are. (laughs) I mean, wow. But this spot right here was the only location on our trip where we couldn't drink the 
water. And again, it was because of them renovating or doing something to the well. However, there is a great story. You can't count on the Travel Squad podcast unless we talk Mm -hmm. about the bathroom. Tell us about the bathroom in this hotel. Yes. Well, real quickly, though, for the water, because you couldn't drink the sink water, they did give you bottles of water in the room. But yes, when you got into the room, it was like a love suite for you. Was it a heart-shaped bed? I mean, no, but (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if it was. So you enter in and there's the bed and then you go to the right and that's where the bathroom is. And there's no door on the bathroom. You just go around the corner and there's the sink and there's the toilet and there's the shower, just like no privacy. And so I kind of like laughed to myself thinking, huh, I wonder if Kim was here with me, which by the way, I had a big bed. (laughs) Just (laughs) one though? Just one bed. So we would have had to share it, but still it was a pretty big bed so we would have had uh, enough space on our own sides but getting ready the lighting was shit in there it was really bad lighting but um (laughs) exactly I I figure you would care about that because I did I remember leaving the next day when we woke up telling Brittany that the lighting was bad and I was kind of like nervous about my makeup but that's okay I winged it regardless but just um there's no privacy yeah so around the toilet there is a small door so all of the sounds you make when going to the bathroom whoever your smells you make all the yeah, so that you make <laughs> they have like a little glass door a glass framing around it but like Brittany said it doesn't touch to the floor it doesn't touch to the ceiling so it's just a sectioned off area but all the scents will waft up and <laughs> permeate, <laughs> permeate, permeate the area so if you aren't real close and comfortable with who you're traveling with you'll get to know each other on a very personal level during that hotel stay extra intimate that's why I mean, Zana said that's typically how travel goes in general you really get to know the person you're traveling with regardless if there's doors on the bathroom or not there's no shame at that point you know with travel companions the bathroom it, it the situation made me laugh because i thought you know what this is nothing that kim and i haven't experienced before we've been up and close in each other's we've shared each other's toothbrushes uh, you can't get any closer than that <laughs> <laughs> so i just kind of laughed because there were two girls on the trip that were from la one was kim and then the other one was the girl that she was with and so when we were in those kinds of situations i laughed because I thought, huh, if Kim was here, this would be our situation. And I wonder how Jackie and Kim are faring right now. <laughs> so moving on to day seven, which is Zena's birthday. Happy birthday, Zena. Feliz Navidad, Zena. <laughs> Gracias. It's, just, it's so funny because I never thought that I would be celebrating my 33rd birthday in Iswatini. And what did we do? Well, part of it was in South Africa. The last half was going to be in Iswatini, Swaziland. There but, you go. I double, I double countryed my birthday. But what did we do first? We went on our first safari. Woohoo! Like land safari. Safari. Yes, it was so exciting. Big, big, big. I can't stress it enough big bucket list item here for me to Jamal's go on a, a South big African fan, safari. a big fan of big cats. I love big cats. <laughs> Jamal cried. I love big cats. Yeah, I did. I'm Aww. not even afraid to admit it. I'll tell you all about that here in a second. So, so where did we go? We were still in South Africa and we went to the, and this is going to be tough for me to pronounce, so I apologize for butchering it. It's going to be the Halu, Halui Imfolozi. <laughs> 
<laughs> game reserve. And again, Good job. my terrible pronunciation. So I apologize for that. If you saw but, how this was spelled, you would understand the pronunciation yeah, difficulties. Very, very difficult to pronounce. It's from the Zulu language. Yes, it is. And this game reserve is famous for their rhinoceros population. And they don't dehorn their rhinos here either. So yeah, a lot of game reserves will dehorn the rhinos to prevent poaching. This is one of the few in Africa that does not. So you get to see the rhinos in all their glory here. And so we started off in the morning early with this game drive. And I knew it was going to be a good day in general. I was so excited, but no exaggeration. Within the first five minutes of being on the safari Jeep and in there, we come across a beautiful big rhino, like right on the road. And this is where I got a little bit teary-eyed. I'm, I'm not even Aww. afraid to admit it. It was, like I said, bucket list item for me and actually seeing a rhino in person and experience an African safari, which is something I've always wanted to do. It was just like the culmination of all of that. And it was just a really big, intense moment for me. And it was really close to us. So although our tour group was like in the 30s, we were broken up into Jeeps and the Jeeps held nine people each. So was it open? It was open. And we <laughs> drove right up to this rhino. We were probably five to 10 feet from it. We were super close. Wow. Now, one of the tips that they give us is to wear neutral clothing. I didn't necessarily know why. And then Jamal was like trying to scare me. And he said, you can't wear any of your bright clothes because they're going to think <laughs> that you are a bloodied animal and they're going to go after you. <laughs> yeah. Is that the truth? That's uh, what Jamal told me. <laughs> part of that is actually truthful to an extent. You want to wear colors that will actually blend you into the environment because colors that aren't natural to there, they'll see it and kind of steer away from it because they're just not used to it. it so yeah on top of that yes if you do wear red and it's from far away and all big predator animals see is a shade of red they may expect it to be like oh this is a bloodied or wounded animal mm. so that, i mean i guess that could draw somebody but yes in general you want to wear <laughs> a neutral color but beyond seeing the rhinos right off the bat we saw several right from the get-go what else did we see Brittany? so we saw two mama lions and we couldn't see what they were trying to hunt but we could hear them and they were hunting with their three baby cubs Aww. and the three baby cubs when our jeep was stopped in front of them came really really close to our jeep and just sat there and was just kind of observing us for a while so the baby cubs were yeah yes. they were all marching like three in a line and you could hear them i don't want to call them little roars because they weren't roars but they were making their little cub noises or whatever they do and it was just so so cute because they were curious from us while their moms were out there hunting we couldn't mm -hmm. see what they were hunting but you could see them off in the distance and looking at something in the bush. Mm -hmm. And so the cubs got really close, closer than I was expecting them to. And it was like, we got to see the rhinos. And then right after that, we got to see the lions. And then we're in our Jeep and we see a herd of elephants. And kind of like when we were in Peru, where there was the alpaca traffic jam, we had the <laughs> same thing happen where we were stopped because the African elephants were crossing the roads and we couldn't do anything about it. They were just a big herd stopping the traffic. Elephants are never alone. When they are with another elephant, there's like... Like, seriously. They're all in a herd. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you're waiting like several <laughs> minutes for like the entire crossing to go. It's it's amazing. And I, again, it's right in front of us. Like you can't reach out and touch them, but it feels like you could. You know, they're that close to you. And then we saw Cape Buffalo just as well. We saw 
giraffe, we saw zebras. So we saw a lot of big game animals. I really, really wanted to see a leopard as well, going back to my big cat fascination. But unfortunately, no leopards were sighted. But the highlight for me, other than seeing the rhino right away, is we were the only Jeep safari vehicle that got to see what we're about to talk about next. And we were making our rounds through the reserve and we came across a watering hole. And the watering hole had at least 15 rhinos in there, just all bathing, rolling around in the mud from babies to adults. And I did catch on film, which was really, really exciting. There were two rhinos that weren't in the water yet and they were crossing the road that we were on. And then one of the rhinos, it was no exaggeration, five to six feet away from us. And then all of a sudden it decided to start charging the vehicle that was behind us, maybe oh. like 50 feet back oh and the God. other vehicle had to reverse and then it just chilled and then came back to the water. So I got to see a rhino charge. It was just amazing. I would have been so scared if I was in that Jeep. And it not was only, going hardcore. Jamal, Zaina and I were the back row of the Jeep. Mm -hmm. So we were looking directly out to this rhino and we're watching it start to charge the other vehicle and them having to back up. We're like, oh shit, we're right here. We're like, if, they, oh if it turns around and charges us, we would be the ones hit oh yeah. my god and our driver was like yeah you know like that rhino is no joke even though they're in a car that rhino would fuck that car up what was really cool and going back to what Brittany was saying they don't dehorn the rhinos at this reserve area so this rhino had no exaggeration a four foot horn it's just beautiful, curved, arched, pointy. It was really, really cool to see. And at the watering hole, too, there were zebras in the background. And it was just it was, so amazing. This is Africa. Yeah, TIA. TIA. Like, that was Africa. Wow. And while we were there, they did stop the tour so we can eat breakfast in the middle of the park. So they had an area set up specifically for that. But still, it's crazy because wildlife is all around you. So they had the bathroom. So you can go to the bathroom. You could wash your hands and whatnot. And I remember at one point when I was washing my hands, Jackie, another girl on the tour who was with Kim, not to be mm -hmm. confused with our Kim, <laughs> she looked at me and she's like, hey, happy birthday. This is such an amazing experience for you. Like, how cool is it that you get to see all of these animals? Because she was in our car. So she's like, how cool is it that you get to see all of these animals on your birthday? And I didn't really think about it prior to, but once she said that, I was like, wow, this is like really, really, really cool. Yeah, so. we saw four of the five big game of Africa on your birthday. Did we talk about the big five? Yeah, so the big five is a general term that they use to describe animals on a safari. And Let me guess. Rhinos? Lions? Zebras? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, elephants? Elephants? Two more. Oh, Hippos? I'll, no, I'll help you out. The other okay. one is going to be Cape <laughs> Buffalo and a leopard. Okay. And they get their name, the Big Five. It's more a touristy draw term now, but the reason for it is back in the day, the most dangerous animals to hunt in the bush or be in the bush around in terms of them potentially, you know, killing you. Yes, hippos kill a lot of people too, but that's if you're in the water being stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like just being on land, those animals are the deadliest in terms of they'll come up behind you out of nowhere, attack you, etc. So it's a more industry term now, but we got to see four out of the five the only one that we missed, again, was 
the leopard. But after the amazing, amazing safari, we continued on to Swaziland or Eswatini. The term is interchangeable to describe the country. But it is legally recognized right now as Eswatini. Correct. And so going to a whole new country. So when we were at the border, we had to get out of the bus, had to go through customs all over again. So we made our way to Swaziland and we checked into the hotel. And this was actually one of the coolest hotels that we were at. They had a beautiful pool. They had a big chess board with chess pieces. We got to play, but we had Zaina's birthday dinner at mm. the hotel. Yes. So just a quick squad tip for you. Do not insult the king of Swaziland. That's a big no-no because if you do, they will arrest you. It was really interesting because the king has how many wives? He like, has like 30-something wives. That's mm-hmm. also the same in Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah if you they insult- take their king seriously. Yeah. You oh. can't insult the king or the king's mama. <laughs> <laughs> That's no exaggeration. No, it, yo mama jokes no, there. Because no, w- because when the photo of the king is up, there is a photo of the king's mother as well. Her photo frame is slightly below his because he has more seniority, but it's almost like a dual rulership, you if know, you will, I but really not at the same time. I really appreciate that, how much they appreciate mothers and women. That's nice. I like that. And so the king can have as many wives as he wants, but he has to be able to provide for each one. So every single wife has her own house and they're completely taken care of. And then you always know who the king is with because you'll see all of his armed cars outside. So I think Sean was talking about, I forgot which number wife is his favorite, but that's the one that he's usually at. So everyone speculates that she's his favorite. Mm -hmm. So anyways, the hotel, yeah, it was on a really nice terraced area. It was super beautiful. Huge room, Kim. You were missed. <laughs> Lots Damn of space it. there. So anyways, we were playing the life-size chess, chit-chatting with Sean, and then we went to dinner. And at dinner, I made the comment that, do you think that if we tell them that it's my birthday, that they will bring out free dessert? And Jamal's all, Santa, we're in Africa. They're not going to do that here. So we order a dessert to share. And then after they bring it out, we make the comment that it's my birthday. And then they come out with a free dessert and the entire staff starts singing happy birthday to me. But not only the staff, but there were other people that were, and not from gate one, but other people who were visiting that joined in with the staff singing and then they were saying happy birthday. And even the next day at breakfast, because you know, they hooked it up with the breakfast buffet on gate one. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So there were people who were in the dining room that night when that, that were singing happy birthday that when I was getting breakfast the next day, they were like, oh, birthday girl, happy birthday, happy birthday. And it was so fucking nice. Yeah. They brought you out the little <laughs> cake. They sang to you in English and in their native language yes. too. So that was really cool. And beyond Zaina's birthday celebration, one thing that I really enjoyed about this hotel, and this goes back to trying local cuisine, is we got to eat a lot of local game meat. So for dinner, I ordered a trio of Springbok kudu and wildebeest so gross no delicious (laughs) all like venison type animals and it was really really good which one was your favorite wasn't it the kudu i don't really remember actually i think it may have even been the uh wildebeest or the springbok i I mean must not have left a very good impression oh i i don't remember (laughs) because you know they brought it out and said which one was which but at the same time you know it's tough to remember but nonetheless worth trying really really good and jamal loves trying all this local cuisine and he tries to order a different type of local cuisine you guys are going to have to stay tuned for that next episode when we talk about what jamal tries to order next (laughs) such a good one you know what i wish they had it on the menu i can't wait to get to that but this concludes 
our first half of our Africa adventure. Anyone have anything else they want to say about this portion of Africa that you guys, we discussed? This is just such an amazing episode. This is such an amazing place to travel to, and I can't wait to continue it next week. This we is only have, the first half. We have <laughs> more coming at you. We're yes, barely we even scratching the surface. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. To keep the adventures going, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast. Please send in your questions of the week, make my day, and tag us in your adventures on Instagram as well. And if you found this information on this episode to be useful, or if you thought that we were just plain funny, please share it with a friend that would enjoy it too. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. And don't even think about unpacking because we are continuing our after journey next week. Woo-hoo-hoo! TIA. Bye. T-I-A. Hashtag Tia. Bye. Bye.